Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast. This is not about your body. I'm Jesse Neeland. And today I want to talk about something that was directly asked and requested through um, an Instagram poll I took of what you want to hear about in these podcast episodes. Uh, basically, how to talk to someone else who is still in diet culture when you have opted out. Now, this can look a lot of different ways. And I actually, I'm sort of compiling a handful of questions that were all asked that kind of boiled down to the same question. Um, this can look a lot of different ways because it depends on where you are on your journey. It also depends where they are. And it really depends on how it was brought up to you, you know, what the context is for how it's being talked about. Because if you are just barely in, you know, sort of exiting diet culture, you're going to be really, really susceptible to falling back in and somebody talking about, let's say, the new diet they're doing. Um, it's actually really dangerous for you. You know, at that point, you're trying to tend to your mental health and, you know, maybe you're doing the work in therapy or you're doing the work with a coach or, or somehow else dealing with body neutrality. You're exiting diet culture, you're finding a space for yourself and someone's telling you about, you know, how many calories are in their smoothie or whatever. It, it's absolutely a boundary violation. And at that point, it might not even be a conversation that you can engage in at all. And you might have to just say, hey, I'm doing such and such for myself. And so I'm, I'm going to request that we don't talk about food or calories or diets, um, if that would be okay. And this is something I use with clients all the time who are let going to family dinners or whatever and find themselves in a position of, of people talking about food and, and diet, you know, sort of diet oriented stuff like weight, um, weight loss, weight gain, body shape and size, that kind of thing. It can be really, really helpful to just set the boundary. Hey, I'm doing a thing. Um, I'm not available to talk about food or weight anymore, or I don't want to be, have my own food commented on or my own weight commented on because I am doing the work to overcome body image issues and um, disordered eating habits or whatever it is, right? Like sometimes the answer is you just don't talk to the person. You don't engage. You don't let them talk to you as much as possible. You make the decision to opt out of that conversation for your own mental health and that's totally valid. Other times you might be further along and you might have more resilience in the face of such a conversation and you might think to yourself well now I'm worried about this person because um, you know one of the questions that was asked was like my sister my sister was um, basically like exhibiting disordered eating habits in front of me talking about food nonstop, not eating enough talking about how she felt you know satiated with six almonds or whatever so what do I do now, the context really matters here because this person who asked clearly felt strong enough in their own anti-diet work to engage with their sister and to say that it was coming from a place of care and worry rather than a place of like self-preservation. You know, they weren't asking, how do I keep her from talking about diet to me because it's freaking me out? They were asking, I'm really worried about her. How do you bring this up? And the context there is tricky because the sister had not directly said I'm struggling with food or body stuff. Uh, I there was no conversation, you know. There was no invitation, and that's a that's tricky because when we when we engage in these conversations, it's important that there's buy-in, that there's consent, that people are ready to talk to you, that you've been invited into this really personal space. And I'm a big believer that you can express concern without being invited in, like compassionate, non-judgmental concern, which can sound like 
hey, I want you to notice, or I, wa I want you to know that I've noticed um, that I think, you know, you seem to be maybe not eating enough and really preoccupied with thoughts about food. And I just want to reflect to you um, that that's what I saw and it, it worries me a little bit. And I'm here if you ever want to talk about it. And I love you so much. Um, and I would just hate to, to think that you're suffering or struggling in any way. And that would be a really compassionate, non-judgmental way to talk to someone who you were worried about who had not invited you into a conversation. That said, uh, that even right there might push some people away. It might make some people defensive because it is so personal. And they might be, you know, keeping uh, super compartmentalized relationship stuff going on in their own minds. Like they might be so bought in in that moment to the fact that they are being healthy and this is a good thing. And anybody who is trying to get in their way is just jealous and like they might respond really negatively. And you have to be aware of that. Anytime you enter into a conversation like that where you have not been invited in, that is a risk. And only you can know the person, you know, and the relationship and, and what it's worth to you. Um, but that is something that I do believe. It's the same as saying like, hey, I noticed that you've been drinking a lot lately and I just want you to know I'm here if you need anything and I worry about you and I hope you're okay. Which is not the same thing as you need to stop drinking, which is a completely um, unsolicited bit of advice. It is not the same thing as, um, you know, I mean, even staging an intervention when done properly is a lot more like a compassionate and non-judgmental expression of concern than it is unsolicited advice. Almost nobody does well with unsolicited advice at any time about any topic, let alone topics that are so deeply personal and really, really uncomfortable and intimate like that, you know? I mean, our relationships to our bodies are so intimate. So in that kind of situation, you're absolutely welcome to express concern, but it's not necessarily likely to go all that well or be all that productive unless, you know, they happen to be in a receptive place or maybe they were talking about it as a form of crying out for help or wanting to be acknowledged in which case it might be received well or maybe you won't even know that it was received well until way later um, which is, you know, I think any number of us can think of moments where we expressed concern to someone and in the moment it was like nothing. And then later they're like, you know, actually that was a game changer for me when you, you know, you pointed out that my husband's behavior was totally inappropriate. It was like, I started to put the pieces together that what was going on in my marriage was abuse. And I didn't leave them until a year later, but it, it always stuck in my head that you said that, you know, these are moments where Again, as long as you are coming at it from a compassionate and non-judgmental space, a place of care and concern without advice, just opening up and inviting them into a conversation if they want to, not forcing them into one, these can be moments that change people's lives, you know, and at the very least, they know that you care and they know that you are available if they ever decide or become ready to talk about the thing. And this is so important, especially for eating disorder stuff like if you notice that someone in your life has basically stopped eating and is losing a lot of weight, saying to them, oh my God, you need to start eating again. What is your problem? You look terrible, is unlikely to be helpful in any capacity at any point. And if they have not invited you explicitly into the conversation around their body, their food relationship or their weight, then it's completely inappropriate. If, however, you say, hey, I noticed that you have... Um, you know, been eating very little lately around me or whatever it is that you've noticed um, or seem to be losing weight. And I just want to check in. If you ever have anything that you want to talk about with me, I personally, you know, I know some people who have struggled with eating disorders 
And I just want you to know I worry about you, but I'm here. If you ever want to talk, I'm available and I love you. And that just gives them, all it literally gives them is the idea that you are there. They might not take you up on it ever. They might take you up on it at some point, or they might take you up on it right there and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm struggling. Here's what I'm going through. Thank you for noticing and asking. But all of that really is based on the fact that you showed up without unsolicited judgment or advice or whatever. You just showed up and said, hey, I noticed a thing, a very gentle little, I noticed a thing with, I'm worried about you. I love you. And I'm here if you need to talk. And that I think is like the best way to handle so many of these, so many of these things. Unfortunately, what we're talking about a lot of times is not disordered eating that is so obvious, you know, or it's somebody who really believes that they are having a healthy relationship with food. But from the outside of diet culture, you can see this is either going a disordered place or is already in a disordered place. And your definition of disorder is likely to be very different from theirs. In which case, you know, like let's say somebody is, I mean, God, I've known so many people, um, trainer friends, mostly from the fitness world, who would like only eat things that were pre-made. Every Sunday they like did all their meal prep. Everything went into Tupperware. They wouldn't eat anything that they hadn't made anything off plan, everything was based on macros or whatever. Um, everything was paleo or, you know, keto these days, whatever it is, right? They eat out of Tupperware. That's it. Nothing unplanned, no bites of any other food really, you know, from being outside diet culture, I'd call it really strict at the time. They might call it really, um, clean. (laughs) So all of this is an example of someone who believes that their relationship to food is serving them. They either don't know that it, it may be disordered or maybe they don't experience it as disordered because not everyone will experience that as disordered. You know, there are totally, I, I have worked with um, people, usually guys actually, uh, who were able to go through pretty strict changes in their diet in order to lose weight without actually going down a path of what I would call like ramifications around disordered relationship to food stuff. And I don't know what that is. Is it just that it was never reinforced for them before? Is it that they had a really strong sense of self-worth outside of their body so it didn't feel important to their value as people? Like, I don't know what it is, but I've certainly seen some people who could eat out of Tupperware for three months and then go back to normal life with no hindered relationship to food. Um, You know, working with an actor might be an example of that. I've certainly seen actors go through different things for roles and then on the other side of it, just go back to normal. Because they did it for a role. It wasn't out of like a feeling that they were morally corrupt or bad or needed to change who they were. It was to get the job done. So for that person, eating out of Tupperware every day might not feel disordered. And so we can't project onto somebody else that because they are doing what we did when we were disordered, they are disordered. What we can do is express concern, reflect what we're seeing, invite a conversation, let them know that we're there. But when that thing is... I don't know, I don't know exactly what to call this, but I'm, I'm going to call it like this sort of orthorexic category of um, not exactly eating disorder, but just like on that line, diet culture nonsense around um, how this is good for you, basically. So people will often eat what they think of as clean, as healthy. Maybe they're not so far down the line that they're only eating out of Tupperwares every day, but they are pretty strict in their own minds in terms of counting calories or macros or trying to get enough of, you know, any particular ingredients and not eat too many of any other ingredients. And everything is sort of based on weight or body size or body checking or, um, you know, how tight their clothes fit or 
or whatever it is. Like this is the space that more people occupy than not, I would say. It is a diet culture space and it certainly has downsides because it takes a ton of mental effort for most people to stay there and do all these calculations. It's a lot of anxiety, unfortunately, for that person. But it is not so far that it feels like that slippery slope of an eating disorder. It doesn't feel like it's taking away from aspects of their life, um, or at least not ways that they are willing to, to give up. You know, I mean, I, I'll talk to clients sometimes and they'll be like, well, you know, I, I was eating really healthy during that time and I felt amazing, but I had no social life because I couldn't go out because I wasn't drinking and I didn't eat. And, you know, maybe they did feel amazing. This is the tricky thing because you can reflect what you see and be right that it is perhaps um, an issue to address at some point, but that person doesn't, it, you know, they might not address it ever. They might feel great or they might think they feel great and insist that they feel great and never want to deal with the fact that it came at such a high cost. And maybe they're lying to themselves and maybe they're not, but from the outside, we can't know those things. So I would say the best thing we can do in those spaces is just Again, invite conversation and plant seeds. And I say plant seeds because this is not going to change in one conversation. If you have a family member, let's say, who is, you know, every time you see them, they are talking about their latest diet and it's all about trying to get healthy. You know, let's say it's like one of your parents or an older member of your family and they're all like, you know, it's so important to get healthy because of breast cancer and blah, blah, blah. It's like I'm, you know, I eat superfoods and I eat acai berries and I, um, I take a mushroom powder and, you know, you can't eat too many carbs and certain fats are bad. Like they may be really preoccupied with food all from a place that is very difficult to tell from the outside, whether it is actually like nourishing the person from a health place or drawing from the person from a health place, meaning causing more anxiety then it actually is causing um, goodness from the nutrients that they're getting. Because stress has a super terrible effect on the body and micronutrients absolutely can have a positive effect on the body. But we can't know from the outside what's balancing what. What we can do is plant seeds in conversation with that person to challenge where it's coming from, to challenge the science of what they are basing it on, to challenge the worldview that says that this is like morally righteous if that is in there um, or that weight loss is inherently good and healthy if it's based on some kind of anti-fat bias um, to challenge whatever needs to be challenged. Like that's where you can plant seeds for sure. And you can offer resources. Uh, there's a fantastic article. I can't remember where it was published. Uh, it's a few years old now, but it's called um, Everything You Know About Obesity is Wrong. And I'm I love it because it really offers you a, an accessible sort of like 101 version of like the book Anti-Diet, for example. Like all of the, the pushback against diet culture is sort of summarized in that article in such a way that you can send it to your like mom, you know, and, and whoever in your life is deeply embedded in diet culture still has never heard of um, any of the stuff that you might be coming across in your anti-diet work and absolutely still believes whatever Prevention Magazine has told them about like the importance of, of superfoods for being healthy or whatever and like how intermittent fasting is healthy and how um, keto diet is so healthy and the key to flat abs and blah, blah, blah. 
this is a space where you can invite conversation. You can volunteer resources. You can plant seeds. Hopefully that would make them ask for resources at some point. If they're thoughtful enough, if they are people who are curious, planting seeds is enough because they'll come back to you and they'll say, hey, I thought about such and such. Um, you know, maybe they'll ask for resources or maybe they'll actually read the resources you send. But you can't, you can't make them. You know, you really can't make people leave diet culture. You just can't. And at a certain point, you may want to set boundaries for yourself. Like I said, saying, hey, I'm no longer available to, to, to listen to diet talk for my own sanity. I, I can't hear that anymore. That's valid. You may also say that later on in your journey and say, I don't want to hear about what you're eating or not eating. And I don't want to hear about the shape and size of your body or anyone else's body because I, I just don't participate in that anymore. You can say that without inviting them in or planting seeds, but I would say way more often than we ever realize, we have a powerful impact on our circles of influence, which is to say if, you know, your aunt's favorite influence is Prevention Magazine, then she is going to believe that it's super important that she do intermittent fasting and, you know, have a tablespoon of fish oil every day um, and that that is way more important uh, than... I don't know, whatever it would take for her to have a healthy relationship with food. And you, if you are in uh, the world that I am in, you are deeply aware of the problematic nature of diet culture, the lies that it propagates, um, the ways in which it interacts with systems of oppression, like the anti-fat bias and racism and sexism and ableism. And you are able to have an influence on the people in your life. But you're not going to have that influence by being like, you're wrong, you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, that has never influenced anyone positively. It's more like asking some challenging questions that invite them to think. You know, invite them to doubt their own sources. Um, to, to doubt the, I don't know, sort of innate nature of the sources like oh of course it's real it's science it's in prevention magazine and I don't mean to dunk on prevention magazine here it's just the first one that comes to mind when I think about this stuff um but like it might lead someone over the course of months or even years to alter their relationship to food and weight and bodies and diet slowly and over time and that is how we have that influence that is the best possible thing we can do for the circles that we roll in and for the world, you know, if we all did this in our circles, we would stand a chance at actually improving things. What unfortunately tends to happen is we get really defensive because this is, again, so personal. And when we hear other people, once we've like sort of left diet culture, you hear other people talking about it. And it's like, oh, my God, you're still part of this cult. Get out of the cult, you idiot. Like, can't you see it's a cult? And we get really, really passionate. We get really, really upset. And we get really defensive and bossy and judgmental, like, how do you not see that this is a cult? And unfortunately, that doesn't help because it, it injures the relationship more often than not. And it causes the person to feel judged and stupid, which is never helpful. And it causes them more often than not to dig their heels in and stick to their guns and not challenge it, not question it. You know, they, they fight against you, essentially. They fight against what is ultimately really good for them and for the world because they they they're pigeonholed or what's the word they're like backs against the wall you know they go into defensive mode so uh yeah to that I would say it's never really helpful to go about it that from that perspective but if you can you know it's totally fine if you don't have the bandwidth to educate everybody in your family about how diet culture is a cult I don't blame you that is completely fine and legit 
But for the people who are asking this question, how do you talk to these people? The answer I would say is you do it only if you can do it um, from a place of compassion and non-judgment and planting seeds and inviting curiosity and conversation. And from there, you actually have a chance to, over time, build a relationship in which that person questions, um, hey, you know, maybe you say the first time, I notice you talk about diet a lot. Um, and I, you know, I've been recently reading about such and such uh, from the body positivity world. And I was wondering if you'd ever come across, you know, the science of why that's not true or why that's, I don't know, you know, what, whatever it is, you sort of invite them into a conversation about your experience and about what you're seeing in them that doesn't make them feel wrong, doesn't make them feel stupid. I and mean, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, what the example I just gave wasn't even that good, you know, because I, I basically said, hey, your science is wrong, which is n not not ideal. But trying to come up with examples off the cuff here is, listen, people, it's hard. Um, anyway, the point being that I think it would be ideal to bring this up only when you're able to do it conversationally from a place of compassion and care and curiosity. And that's it. See where it goes. Um, share your personal experiences. The more vulnerable you can be, the better this chances you're going to have that this will actually land. Because saying to someone, I notice you're dieting and that's bad. Did you know that's bad? Like, obviously not going to work. Um, but you could also say like, I notice you're dieting and, um, I'm wondering if you've come across any information that why dieting doesn't work, you know, it's sort of better. It's like on the right path. But if you were to share, Hey, I recently stopped dieting because I discovered, um, how bad it is for our health. And, and I notice you're still dieting and I'm, you know, just, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that or something. If you invite them into it that way and you're vulnerable and you share your experience, you know, if this person cares about you, no matter where they're coming from, they're more likely to actually take that in. They're more likely to go, oh, no, I haven't heard that. Why? What is it? Um, and maybe they're super judgy and they're like, uh, excuse me, if this is some health at every size, BS, I don't want to hear it. Like maybe they come back at you and maybe you still planted a seed. You know, like in a year, maybe you are still a part of the influence circle that gets them out of um, such a ferociously diet culture place to where they can just say, oh, you know, it's actually really important to not stress too much about food, which is why diets are not ideal for a lot of people's health. So w whatever it is, you can't hold yourself responsible for other people's experience in this way. You just can't. It would be bad for you. It would not be helpful for them. You can't do it. I don't recommend you do it. I do recommend uh, setting boundaries for yourself in whatever capacity you need because you absolutely have a right to ask other people in your life to not speak about certain things, not comment on your body, not talk about their weight, not talk about what they're eating, not talk about what you're eating. All of that is valid. And that is where just straight up boundary setting is a magical skill absolutely crucial skill um, that I, I help a lot of my clients work on because it's really, really difficult too, um, especially when it comes to, you know, families where there's an expectation of certain things and you're sort of rocking the boat by coming in and saying, I know we normally exclusively talk about our weights, but I'm not doing that anymore. It's super, super difficult. But that's one thing. The other thing is, can you express care and reflect and invite someone into a, a trusted relationship where it's okay if they're struggling and they want to talk about what hurts. And that would be when you're noticing eating disorder stuff 
or you're not, I mean, this would apply to anything really. Um, noticing any signs that a person is struggling and might need help or support. I mean, that's it. That's all you can do. It's what you would do to a kid, right? You wouldn't be like, tell me your problem. You would be like, Hey, I'm here. And, and I love you. Let me know if you want to talk. Um, so that's another one. And then the last thing is just plant seeds. If you have the bandwidth to do this in your circle of influence, planting seeds is so powerful and it does take time and it's very frustrating and it might absolutely require the sort of, you know, maximum patience uh, that you can muster to have a conversation with someone who is like deep in diet culture trying to convince you that um, why it's so important that you go on keto and you're like just asking them to consider that hey actually maybe the sources of their research is not as valid as they think or there's other stuff going on um i have had these conversations well with my family with other people's families uh you know it's tough it's tough and if this is the route you want to go if you plan on being a seed planter in your circle of influence i highly recommend getting as much of that information and those voices stuffed in your head as possible. So like read anti-diet, read the fuck it diet, read um, health at every size, read body respect, uh, read every book that you can find to back up the claims that you have and the understanding that you have for why diet culture sucks and why diets don't work and why diets cause harm to most people's health and why it's so, so important that we fight back against weight stigma and the anti-fat bias. So these are things that are like, they're big, heady concepts. And if you plan on being a, a you know mover and shaker in your circle of influence, I highly recommend reading these books and really taking them in and connecting with other people who are also reading them and taking them in so that you have that support in your back pocket so that when, you know, grandma is like, um, you need to lose 10 pounds. You can just say like, actually, grandma, uh, scientifically speaking, uh, attempting to lose 10 pounds would actually cause me to be less healthy. And here's why, you know, you can kind of go into those things a little bit more armed and a little bit more confident um, than just saying, I don't want to do that because I can't remember why, but I think it's bad for me. Uh, totally changes the sort of timber of the conversation. So that would that would be my recommendation. Follow the people who are talking about this stuff. Um, connect with the the people who are talking about this stuff, and then read, you know, read their books and really take it in. Um, another one I would recommend is called "Fearing the Black Body" by Sabrina Strings. Um, another just really great read. Uh, my body is not an apology. Another great read. So just filling your feed, your your you know sort of brain I guess with these voices and this information is only going to empower you in those conversations and allow you to plant better seeds over time among the people you have this conversation with I hope that's helpful um so again just to be clear like the conversations that people are having they vary right I can't give you one answer for how to talk to people who are still in diet culture once you leave it depends on a lot of things but hopefully this will give you a little bit of insight into um the sort of different spaces I see that playing out and the different tactics and tools that I tend to encourage depending um, because it's really difficult leave it is literally like leading leaving a cult it is absolutely uh, like once you leave it is like seeing through the matrix when you are not in diet culture anymore you're just astonished by people who are still in diet culture it is a very weird experience and if you're still in diet culture that's okay 
welcome. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Um, perhaps at some point you will have this experience as well and that will be okay too. But just if you resonate with this feeling of like complete overwhelm of how do I talk to somebody about this thing that everyone thinks is normal and healthy and okay and I now know is not, it's really, really tricky. So put yourself first. If you need boundaries, have them be set for you. That's the number one. Your recovery from diet culture is the most important. If you are worried about someone and have the bandwidth to to help them or reach out to them or educate them or whatever, these are the ways that I recommend doing it. Um, and I think with like holidays coming up and everything, this actually is a pretty relevant conversation because so many people have this come up with families um, that they maybe don't see all year and they're like in their body neutral world in the rest of their life and then they have to go home and listen to their entire family talk about their diets, which is super tricky. So hopefully this is helpful. Um, that is it for today. Thank you so much for being here and uh, I will catch you next time.